0: to the Future of XYZ. This week we are uh, honored to host Omar Mitchell. Omar is the Vice President of Sustainable Infrastructure and Growth Initiatives at the National Hockey League or the NHL. Welcome Omar to the Future of XYZ.
1: Thanks Lisa, I appreciate it uh, you having me.
0: Um, It's wonderful to have you so we're going to be talking about the future of ice hockey, uh, which obviously is what the NHL is all about. Um, Most importantly, however, Omar, you have been with the NHL since 2012 in roles around sustainability. Uh, corporate social responsibility, social impact, and corporate affairs, so you know a lot about this. You also have a Master's in Architecture from Columbia University and an MBA uh, from MIT Sloan, Uh, and it's an amazing combination in order to bring kind of the next generation of ice hockey to fruition. I think you also just this last week uh, were honored at the first ever sustainability and DEI summit by Adweek as something like a sustainability superstar uh, around UN SDG 6. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Uh, Freshwater and sanitation. That's right. And so, uh, which makes a lot of sense because uh, water is in the DNA of hockey. And so a lot of our water stewardship work. We were able to highlight and showcase and and we've done a lot of it and our clubs are doing a lot. And it's great because uh, we need fresh water uh, in order for we need cold weather. We need fresh water to uh, play our game. So uh, it's been great.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's start. I mean, I think most people presumably listening um, or watching know what ice hockey, the sport is. Uh, when we think about the future of ice hockey, we, of course, have to think about where it is now. And you just alluded to something that's obviously quite impactful, which is where the game is now. And of course, you and I have talked about this. My dad worked for the National Hockey League in one of the franchise teams, uh, San Jose Sharks, for a, a more than a decade. So I know a little bit about it as well, but that was a while back. So where is the Hockey League now in terms of kind of its current status, and especially in light of COVID?
1: So certainly um, as with all professional sports properties, we've uh, been challenged uh, with COVID. Uh, so just to give you a little snapshot of our business, um, uh, certainly we took a pause at the end of March of last year when everything was happening in North America. And, um, and we ended up playing the rest of our season at the end of, uh, during the summertime. Imagine we were playing hockey in the summer um, in, uh, in Canada. Oh, Canada. And, <laughs> in canada and we did end up uh, finishing our season and then we ended up um, playing a shortened or abbreviated season this uh this uh season uh starting in january uh 56 games instead of our usual 82 and certainly we've seen we've had to navigate some challenges much like any other business um but that was just that's just a snapshot of our business when we think about broadly about hockey and 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 the growth of our game we think about it in numerous different verticals, numerous different lenses. The first is things that are relevant and germane to uh, to our sport, like the roots of our game. So the roots of our game uh, being born on frozen ponds. And I mentioned the fact that um, we need cold weather and we need fresh water in order for, for folks to enjoy the thrill of playing on a backyard rink or in a frozen little piece pond. little to go uh, out, right? Exactly. And that is that's traditionally how a lot of our players Have enjoyed and learned the game and one great example of that is Wayne Gretzky where he and his father who recently passed um, they literally he literally learned his skills playing outdoors in his backyard rink and so for that rich tradition to continue we need to ensure that we're addressing some of those fundamental um, uh, impacts to our game when you think about it from another scope we think about the growth of our game that's relevant to um, to the growth of fandom. Mm-hmm. And why this is really imp- important and critical is because hockey has traditionally been seen as very tribal. It's always been, it's been seen as if you love the game and you know the game, then you'll always be part of the game and you're gonna be the, be- the biggest fan of our sport. But the idea is that um, no, if we wanna be relevant in the 21st century as a sports, as a business, We need to ensure that we are going outside of our boundaries to ensure that we bring in other folks to um, to our business and to our game. And that's particularly true, because when we see demographic shifts happening in North America, things like um, the fact that uh, minority populations will become the majority in the next 20 to 30 years, when we see things that's mirrored that that same sentiment is being mirrored in Canada and we're seeing a lot more of these communities who traditionally have not played our game, right. we, want to get, we want them to be involved in our sport because we want them to believe and to understand the value of what we think hockey is. And it's not just about what we see on the ice every night. It's about the values of our sport, yeah. that we believe that hockey can bring teamwork or understanding of teamwork, perseverance, uh, discipline, courage, to folks both uh, boys and girls and those are wonderful life skills that we want to impart using our game to impart in communities where we live work and play that is the future of hockey and that's what we want to make sure that we get to and be relevant because we know that for every kid that plays our game we'll get a father a mother a sibling or a friend 3.1 fans or so to engage with in our sport and that's meaningful to us.
0: It is meaningful. It's interesting. I it's it's not related but it is. I, I think back to, you know, kind of the 2000s when my dad was with the team and they were renegotiating the, you know, the TV deal and it was worth so much less than all the other major sports deals and I remember asking like why? And there was this whole concept at the time before we had as much advanced technology that the average fan, even if they loved and hockey and knew the sport already, couldn't necessarily follow the puck on the TV. You know, and so it was already this like dissuasion from following, of course, technology has brought us along and high def TV and everything. So that's a little less of it. But it is true that there is a barrier to entry, if you will, on hockey in terms of its cultural relevance, you know, again, weather-wise and culturally, uh, you know, racially, geographically, whatever, but also in terms of what people are used to.
1: And it's a, it's a fascinating point because when we think about our business, and again, this goes to the future of our sport. When we think about our business and we think about what's meaningful to our fans, especially our future focused fans, Gen Z's and millennials who are consuming our game on multi-platforms, multi- multiple different platforms. We are thinking about the type of content that would be relevant for them. And so one example, just to illustrate this point, one example is that we've created the technology where we put up um, a microchip inside a puck Mm -hmm. and on players' jerseys. So we can track the speed and velocity of a puck as well as the speed and velocity of the players as they play our game. With the hope that folks would understand the appreciation of how much skill and speed is needed to be an NHL player. And if we can deliver up that content so that our fans can be as interactive as possible during the game, that's gonna be a big boon for us because our hope is that they, that our fans can consume that content any which way they want. And that is the future. That's the future of our game.
0: I, I love that. I, I will also just build on why I think that's so important. Personally, my favorite place to ever watch the game was behind the net where the Zamboni comes out because you have such a major appreciation for how huge the guys are, especially with the skates on, how fast they're moving, how hard they're hitting. You know, I mean, it really is an incredibly physical and challenging and elegant sport. Um, so I love that idea of the microchip and see, being able to kind of really gauge the, the physicality of it.
1: Yes. And, and, and one other thing, too, and even the, the skill and finesse, because yeah. that's what the sport has evolved into. It's very much about speed, skill, finesse. And so perhaps not necessarily the same, uh, what we used, how the sport was played previously. There's a new generation of younger stars, uh, more diverse stars that are coming out from different backgrounds that are really showcasing their skill and um, what it takes to be in the NHL these days.
0: It's very cool. So let's talk about the water piece again. I want to go back to your your sustainability superstardom. you know, obviously you talk about like clean water, we know we need it for lots of reasons, but you need fresh water in order to be able to be frozen in the ponds, but also in the arenas from, from the professional sports arenas, but also the practice arenas, the farm team arenas and the kids arenas where they come up. So let's talk about the role of sustainability if we can.
1: Absolutely. So um, the first thing I'll say is um, I'll, um, I would like to give a timeline because a lot of this work didn't just happen overnight. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, we celebrated our NHL green platform, which is our environmental sustainability platform. Um, uh, all, uh, uh, 10 years, uh, we've had our green platform since t- 2010. So we've celebrated 10 plus years of green. Uh, this is our 11th year. And in that time, we have had a remarkable journey. We've gone from... Um, th- uh, initiatives like a food recovery initiative where we've taken prepared but unused food and diverted it from landfill to go to the local food banks. And this was a commitment that all of our clubs made um, when we first started this journey, along with things like a water stewardship uh, initiative, which was for every goal that was scored throughout the regular season, we would contribute to fund 1000 gallons of fresh water through uh, what is called water restoration certificates. And in that process, um, since uh, 2011, we have funded over 88 million gallons of fresh water to be restored through the help of our nonprofit partner, Bonneville Environmental Foundation. Those are just some of the things that we did as a league to to kind of explain this to our fans, to get them, to bring them along in our journey. And this is something that you're gonna hear come up uh, as we continue our conversation. On the flip side, a lot of our environmental stewardship work was flipped into uh, tracking and measuring our resource consumption. um, You know, the adage, you cannot impact what you don't measure. And so a lot of what we were trying to do at the league level, think of it like a parent company uh, to our 31, soon to be 32 franchisees, was to try and drive them to adopt some of these measurement tools and these measurement devices so that they could understand how much water or energy they were using. And, um, and that resulted in things like our two sustainability reports where we not only cataloged all of the work that the league and its member clubs were doing, but we actually stated our carbon footprint, That's which great. was all about energy and water consumption and waste diversion in our facilities. And so we came out with one in 2014 and another report in 2018. It was the first one of its kind from any major pro sports league in the U.S. to not only put out a sustainability report. But also to quantify its carbon footprint and we recognize we're in a much longer journey yeah. to answer you directly in the past 10 plus years our NHL clubs have achieved a lot when it comes to. Um, when it comes to asset management, think of like the NHL arena buildings, yeah. the buildings where uh, fans and spectators go to watch our game yeah over the past 10 years. All new NHL arenas have been built to energy and efficient and environmental design,
0: Le- whether standards.
1: it's through lead standards or to other ty- similar types of environmental design. And the culmination of that are the newest buildings that are coming into the league right now, which is UBS Arena in uh, Long Island with the Islanders, which is uh, planning to be online, I believe, this fall, as well as Climate Pledge Arena which is a home to our latest and newest team, the Seattle Kraken. And what I see there is an evolution of, this this evolution has taken us now to where we have Climate Pledge Arena as one of the most state-of-the-art, most advanced environmental um, sustainability-focused multi-sport venues in the world. They have made a commitment to sustainability that's in their DNA. And it's built, it's made uh, from their operations and it's reflected all the way through to their marketing and positioning within their community, even to the way that they think about diversity and hiring um, within their organization. This is something that's built into their core. And I see this as the evolution of what we started in 2010. This is the evolution of of sustainability being baked into organizations.
0: Absolutely. and this is no not a one-off
1: exactly exactly and this is not just a one-off this is going to be the future and this is what i anticipate and i'm hopeful that this is the future of sustainability and sports where a lot more of these facilities and one more, more of these organizations are taking on that mantra now that's yeah. just one example and uh, that's not even talking about community rinks which i'd love to get into because i would love to
0: hear
1: because so when that's, that's the journey of NHL arenas. And as I said, we only have 31, seem to be 32 arenas that, make, that comprise of NHL facilities. What we are seeing now are that um, that's just the top of the pyramid. The NHL is just the top of the hockey pyramid. Mm-hmm. When we think about what the rest of the pyramid is, it's all about these community rinks. And we talk about community rinks as uh, the front lines of our game. These are the arenas and facilities that will host and hold um, future fans or existing fans. And our research has shown that about 80% of of community rinks across North America, there's about 4,500 or so. They're old and outdated, they're over 20 years old. So think about using your 20 year old refrigerator now in your house. Uh, think about how energy efficient that is. Yeah, It's the same concept because uh, uh, an, an arena is the same as we have to maintain an ice sheet. It's a, pretty much like a refrigerator.
0: A refrigerator or, 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 or the freezer.
1: Or the freezer. So the point is, is that um, our mandate at the league in order to ensure that we are bringing all of those best practices down from the NHL arena level to the community rink level is to ensure that we can impact or to educate on best practices that we've learned from the NHL arenas and from the pros and bring it down to the community rank level. And that talks about everything from water to energy efficiency, to the latest innovations and technologies. Sustainability equals innovation. uh, That is our mantra. And, And to finish on the point, one example of that in the water stewardship space is that we're seeing a lot of buildings adopt things that are that the pros are using. So one example is a climate pledge arena. All of the rainwater is being collected um, that <laughs> runs off of their roof and is collected to, uh, to, into water tanks in order to create the greenest ice in the league. That's great. And what we're seeing is that other facilities, community rinks in particular, are trying to attempt to do their same closed loop system where they're scraping all off the ice, uh, re uh, melting it and purifying it and filtering it and recirculating it so that they can make their own closed loop system so that they're not using extra water. It's these little commitments that are ensuring that that these buildings are really advancing this agenda and they're learning from the pros.
0: And, and just on the finances, because we've talked about the business of hockey, and obviously this is an important piece of it. Is the NHL making commitments, I mean, on all of these to that, you know, below, below the top of the pyramid as well? I mean, what is the role? There's obviously lots of stakeholders in the NHL. You have the people always are going to think about the, the the players and the fans but they're also the owners and the sponsors right and 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 many other many the coaches and and everyone else who goes along with it so what are the different commitments or the different roles that people uh, across the uh, the league are playing in helping the communities
1: yeah so when we think about um, community stewardship there's the, exactly right there's that whole ecosystem and when we think about what we do, so let's start off with what we're doing. Um, certainly where we are um, advancing the agenda, not just from the sustainability standpoint, but we're thinking about how we grow the game to new audiences, like I mentioned. And that that commitment comes in investment in programs, things like our Learn to Play and Learn to Skate programs, where we um, we either get gear um, or or equipment because obviously our sport requires a lot of equipment
0: and it's expensive
1: and it is expensive and so what our learn to play and learn to skate programs are geared towards are to bring the sport primarily to communities that may not be able to afford the game and bring hockey to communities either through schools through this through stem programming and curricula we have one of the largest stem curricula that uses the sport of hockey to teach things of uh, principles like physics and velocity and volume and all those things. Um, And we have one of the largest STEM related uh, programs in sports to do that. We look to our partners to help drive this change in a meaningful way. And so whether it's things like engaging with partners that have shared uh, values with us. So brands in particular who have shared commitments to either diversity, equity, inclusion, to environmental sustainability so that we can amplify their efforts and ours. And we can find meaningful ways to partner around these. One example of that um, was recently at Lake Tahoe. Um, We had a, we played an outdoor game uh, on Lake Tahoe uh, back uh, in February. And one of our big commitments was to partner with Bridgestone who was one of the presenting sponsors on a significant investment on diversity, equity, and inclusion, both in um, the state of Nevada, as well as in Tennessee. And it's those types of commitments where we can amplify and really tell the story about what our, or what the league is doing and get our corporate partners engaged. Because here's the meaning, corporate partners these days are no longer interested in dashboards and in arena signage that 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 was that's a thinking of of past of the past yeah what future thinking is especially for stewards and brands that are mission driven and are committed to some of these efforts is that they want to have meaningful meaningful impact in their local communities yeah that is the most important thing yeah and that's the vehicle that the nhl and our sport offers it's through those learn to play and learn to skate programs through our community ranked efforts where we can really have, and through our efforts of our clubs, whether it's through their philanthropic efforts, through their community relations efforts, that really drives why this work is hyper-local. Hyper-local is the key part of all of our efforts. And and guess what? That's reflected in sustainability too. No longer are we, from an environmental sustainability standpoint, yes, it's important to have rainforests and polar bears and, and whatnot, but what's really meaningful is the impact that we're having in our local communities, whether it's on fresh water scarcity, whether it's on urban reforestation um, efforts, tree planting initiatives, um, uh, around um, education uh, and STEM, and exactly All what you're describing
0: is people and planet is kind of the integrated future of ice hockey,
1: and it has to be because if we just approach it on a on a siloed level. We will never be able to achieve the full impact as if we think about it in 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 relationship. And look, the UN SDGs provides the best framework for us to tackle those those types of uh, conditions. And the beauty and the genesis of the of the SDGs is that they were meant to be read into. You can build them out the way that organizations see as material to them, Absolutely. and that's how we think about it. So when we think about our water stewardship efforts, as a matter, as as an example, we think about how we can impact the sport of hockey when it comes to asset management. And we think about how it impacts our local communities where we live, work, and play. And, and sometimes it could be as much as planting trees to ensure proper runoff. And sometimes it could be around recycling, appropriate recycling and waste habits to ensure that waterways aren't, um, aren't um, uh, fill and polluted. Yeah. Well, just one example of that, um, because now you've, you've really gotten me excited on it um this is a very this is a really fun example somebody um uh we were trying to figure out new ways to use broken hockey sticks because as you can imagine a lot of our players use uh break hockey sticks during the course of our games yeah. because of this, the strength and speed of our of our game and um uh university in florida florida gulf coast university created a a program called rink to reef where mm-hmm. they took the broken sticks and they created oyster habitats from those broken sticks. So cool. And what's, what's really important about that is that, what's really important about that is that um, the broken sticks and the oyster habitats create clean water, and they're able to, in turn, be used as uh, an education tool to educate high school kids and youth around the connection between our sport and, and water. water and water,
0: It's fantastic. That's
1: that's the type of thing that we're seeing in our local communities to really drive and empower fans, Mm -hmm. which is the last point, right? To your point about how can we really, where are all the stakeholders and how they can get involved? That's where we're getting the meaningful um, uh, relationship and connection with our fans around these issues.
0: That's exciting to me. Oh, it's very exciting. And I mean, as a hockey fan, this is all quite exciting because I think that the league has come an enormously long way in those 10 years since the first, uh, I think you called it green platform uh, was created. So congratulations on the work you've done. It, I'm looking at time as, as all future of XYZs, um, it's very hard to pack in the expertise of our guests uh, in, in a short 20 minutes. But I, I want you to be able to answer one last question, Omar. If you were to just say the vision, you know, what is it what is the ideal future of of ho- ice hockey? How would you describe it?
1: Yes. So um, it's a it's a great question, mm-hmm. and it's something that we are always tasked with um, with considering. Um, and I think that the the future vision of ice hockey must be pointed towards, the players and the lovers of our sport are fans. And why is that important and critical? Because they are the next generation of of consumers of our game and consumers of our business, but they are also the folks who are going to be the ones that are gonna drive meaningful change in our communities where we live, work and play. And so, and that change is not gonna happen overnight. That change is going to happen by each one doing their part. And it's not just on environmental, but it's the intersection between environmental and social. So an example of that, we've quantified our carbon footprint. We know that there's a certain amount that we can impact as a business. But if we get our millions of fans to act on climate and to pledge and to do one thing, that's where we're gonna have a sea change. And that's what's exciting to me. If we can get one kid to play our game we know that they, we can build the life skills that, they are going to be, that they're gonna to use to begin, to become proper citizens in their communities. And when we think about environmental, we say that it's all about respect, respect for your community, respect for yourself and for your family and for your team. And if we can build in that respect, that's where we're gonna have sea change. Imagine the sport of hockey, being able to have that type of outsized influence. That is where we are using a lot of our efforts and what's what we're striving to do. Because if we can have that one impact, that's where we're gonna have sea change.
0: I love it. Omar, thank you so much for joining us on the future of XYZ today. The future of ice hockey certainly seems bright.
1: Thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you for having me. Um, And I really do hope that this was useful. It was a great conversation and um, look out for more. There's a lot of good things on the horizon. Um, from the NHL and uh, we're excited.
0: It's fantastic and everyone you can visit nhl.com uh, obviously to learn more about all their sustainability and social impact initiatives and for Future of XYZ you can watch on YouTube, you can listen on Apple, Spotify, every other platform where you get your podcast and you can follow on Future of XYZ on Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week. And for today, the future of ice hockey is today and tomorrow and forever. So thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for listening to the Future of XYZ. If you like what you've been hearing, please follow Lisa Grelnick on LinkedIn. Visit future-of.xyz or subscribe to the Future of XYZ podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.